This is the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan-Nathan and Peter Gowers. Thanks to Ward Keller, the Territory Law Firm. Hello there. Welcome to you wherever you're listening. This is the Territory Story Podcast, the weekend edition. My name is Peter Gowers. Joining me as he does every week is Mr. Leon Logan-Nathan. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. And they're listening uh, from as far away as Scotland. We know that for a fact. That is true, yes, (laughs) yes. Got some uh, some listeners in Scotland, and uh, quite a few in the US as well these days, Leon. Right, right. But it was the, the Scottish one that I was particularly particularly interested in because we got an email today or this week. Yep. Uh, and I think we may have a, a surprise guest for the uh, for the listeners. Might do, yeah. <laughs> Someone who will be very known, very well known to a point, but we'll, <laughs> we'll reveal all in a later episode. Yeah, yeah. Of course, well, this is, this is the weekend. Uh, yeah, it's the weekend. It. So our mate Christopher Walsh from the NT Independent is joining us for Weekends with Walshy. How are you, mate? Hey, I'm good, guys. So, what do you got? Like a former Prime Minister of Scotland, or <laughs> <laughs> what's the? Uh... No, no. we, we, we can't. Hey. We can't reveal. It's top secret. Yeah, but hey, you're you're a journalist, Chris, and we are clearly yeah. not. Uh, you heard you heard the Malcolm Turnbull podcast. Did, did, was there anything uh, that you got out of that? Was there anything any new information? Yeah, I mean, it was difficult to, uh, yeah, I was, I was trying to, I was looking at that as a journalist thinking, yeah, what's he saying here that's new that we don't know? Mm. There was some stuff that he said that kind of in, in in retrospect was interesting about like the port and stuff, but of course we knew that. I mean, it took a while for them to admit that it was because of the, the, the way the Darwin port deal went down, that that's why they had to change how they did these things. And for a long time, they never acknowledged that. So that's good that... <laughs> Yeah. That he did that, and also, um, you know, a comment there about uh, the previous CLP government. Uh, <laughs> right? Like wasn't, I had said, I mean, wasn't he was that just. Uh, the, I yeah. must admit that was completely unexpected for me. Not, not, not so much his thought on it, but it was his first response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for a guy who was defending them while he was in office, kind of, you know, and, and forced to do that, so. To know what he was really thinking, you know, maybe that would have gone a little, little further when he was in when he was in power, and that was for a lot of things, I think. But yeah, so for for most of it, he seemed pretty measured. He seemed to be uh, uh, only willing to divulge things that that he wanted to divulge at that time. And I think he said that to you guys at one point. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not giving you anything. Yeah, like yeah he yeah. kind of purposely knew that he wasn't. Yeah. Um, but it was good. Like I really like you guys to keep him focused on the territory and. Uh, and what his connections were here, but it, you know, he kind of pulled out of a few things there before you know he would he would actually comment some of the good questions you guys asked, and he kind of came short of um, of explaining what he would do and to take those kind of you know way out. So I can't tell the NT how to run itself. Uh, you yeah, know, have yeah. to figure it out for yourself instead of offering some maybe informed opinion on it uh, and where it's going. But anyway, that's that's you know, it's a politician. Yeah, but, but there's one thing I do want to ask you about that. What did you think about his comment uh, that, um, uh, that that basically uh, the, the federal government are, are not going to step in mm-hmm. at any time and take over the territory? <laughs> yeah, well, it's going to be a long time here. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's concerning. That's, that's concerning. And, that yeah, that, that, that would kind of, 
feed into the idea that, uh, you know, the current government, that there are no consequences for anything that they're doing, that they'll continue to, to rack up the debt and the borrowings and, uh, and really not ever be held accountable for it or responsible for it. And so, I don't know, but that was, you know, things will change. I clear, that's clear that that was the, um, the goal when he was in. Uh, you would assume that the, the Liberal Party, the coalition, would have that same view now, but things change. And once you get to a spot here where, it's just not going to work anymore. And then you would think that, that some action would have to take place. But yeah, who knows at this point? I mean, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's what's it take, I guess, really. Um, it's going to take something they're... monumental because yeah. the, the thing for me with that comment, we, we'd asked, you know, um, scholars and, 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 you know, non-politicians previously, economists, uh, you know, what's the likelihood of it? And we, we got a very lukewarm reaction each time to that sort of same question. Mm. When, when he said that, that made me think, well, the question's dead and buried because if, if you know, the guy who's in the job now, the current prime minister, this is the guy just before him in the same government. Mm. So it's not even as though he's on the opposite side of politics. He's as close as anyone to knowing you know, how close they would be. And he said, there's no appetite for that. They just wouldn't do it. Mm. So that, that really, really made me think, all right, well, it's a great question to ask, but everyone to a man who supposedly knows says it just won't happen. Yeah, and, and what's the threshold going to be for something? And instead, I mean, yeah, like you, I think you guys brought that up with them too. I mean, the, they're kind of trading on, uh, the prosperity of the country and the federal government, you know, to back them when they borrow this money and stuff. And that's why their debt rating doesn't go below a certain level is because yeah. they know that the feds will come in and bail out. And really it's not that much money for the feds when you're looking at what their yeah, debt yeah. is. And, yeah, well, you know, 10, 10 billion, let's say it goes up to 10 billion, 11 billion. Mm. Um, but hard to see how this place, you know, with that structural deficit that I think he he referenced that too, didn't he? Something he did. that, yeah, yeah, did. that yeah. if you're running that, you, you can't. You got to. They're going to have to start being responsible at some point themselves. And I think that's what he's saying is let's them let them be responsible. But we haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Good luck with that. Let, let, yeah. let them have cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the only other thing too that that um, it, it's a response that you hear so much at the moment, and it was a response that he gave. Uh, you know, as part of that que- part of that question, and that is, our oh, money's cheap at the moment. Yeah, it is, but no, it's no. still got to be paid back. And <laughs> you know, at some point, those interest rates will bounce, and you don't want to be just racking up debt upon debt upon debt, waiting for the day when money isn't cheap, do you? Yeah, and not having that, that solution and not getting out of that structural deficit in the meantime, mm-hmm. even now, while while you can borrow and pay more. I, yeah, it's it's not long term sustainable the way it's going. But uh, mm-hmm. I guess we're we're on our own here. It would appear. Well, mate, let's kick the uh, kick the weekend off with a discussion of something that is uh, close to your heart, uh, and certainly uh, something that uh, we've been keeping a watching brief on. It was very, very interesting to see that the ABC came up with a huge article a day ago uh, about uh, the government ban on the anti-independent news outlet and uh, the fact that it sets a dangerous precedent 
that was not written by you guys. It was written by the ABC. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The, uh, the ABC did a story this week where, um, you know, I, I think that, that, that they had some issues there, which is good to see, you know, anytime that there's more exposure about what's going on here, the better I think it is for us. And that kind of laid it out there on a, on a national stage to some extent. Um, exactly what was going on here and you know we've heard from people saying that they didn't realize that 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 the the you know the territory labor government has suppressed the media here that has uh, has banned us and has gotten the you know the public service on board who were supposed to be a political uh the police service again um that aren't supposed to be politicized following orders from the chief minister not to talk to the anti-independent as well and then you've got the administrator as we said a few weeks ago there uh you know ejecting us from the grounds there so the administrator queen's representative um taking her marching orders from uh chief minister michael gunner here who you know for as they as they reported there um and they quoted Maria Bilius, the director of communications, saying that really the issue uh, doesn't have anything to do with us, with any, with me as the editor of the Independent, or any of the reporters that we have, or for that matter, any of the reports that we've done. Uh, that their issue lies more with the owner uh, of the website, Owen Pike, and um, you know th- th- their own personal dislike of him. Uh, you know whether you can you can ban an entire media outlet based on uh, your personal feelings for the owner uh, for something that he's done unrelated. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you justify that. And, you know, I think it was her line and somebody had said that, right? Like the government's line is that we won't uh, recognize the anti-independent because the owner has engaged in uh, uh, inappropriate behavior or something uh, that, that, that they've unilaterally determined that the owner is engaged in behavior that they don't approve of. I mean, you know, what are they, what's Maria Bilius going to say when she finds out who owns the NT news? <laughs> you know? yes. uh, he did come to mind actually, as you were saying that I was thinking, geez, yeah. if, they're, if they're not a fan of Owens, imagine what they're going to find out about Rupert when they uh, do some delving. Yeah, and then that's the thing that doesn't make any sense because if you're going to apply that too, I mean, I don't think that the territory labor government are probably huge supporters of Rupert Murdoch, but then why not ban that publication for the same reasons if you're doing it based on the owner's uh, yeah. thoughts or, or opinions about things. So I think that that, that story kind of laid bare there and just how it doesn't make any sense what they're saying, right? I mean, uh, and of course, we've always said, I've always said that that's their kind of cover story. And when you look at that, it doesn't hold up for that reason. I mean, there's a fallacy in it there. But the other part is that, you know, all along we've, we've always thought, I've always thought that it was me, that it's me, that they don't want me reporting, they want me covering them. I think, look, I know that this has happened before where they've told the, well, the departments have told, where they've told the departments, you know, he asked too many questions, uh, he, you know, in emails to the departments. So let's not answer him anymore and just cut him off. And how dare I seek information to report to people on what the government and the public service are doing. So, you know, really, I think it, it, it comes down to me. And I've not seen anything to, to discount that idea that it is me, that it's not Owen, that Owen Pike is a kind of smokescreen here and they can put that all on him. But really, at the same time, they avoid getting any questions from me. Uh, 
and the hostility from them still like you know and that was the other thing i mean we we, we went back to them after the election as i told you guys before we went to the administrator before the swearing in and we said look let's let's have a meeting congratulations on the election victory let's all get together here and figure out how we can work together get over whatever issues you you know that we, that we need to get over and let me address whatever concerns you guys have outlying still of uh of how we're going of how we function i mean you've seen us for six months now you know how we report and what we report on and how we've been doing it mm-hmm. if you got any issues let's get them on the table and figure out a way to move ahead here over the next four years and work together uh, to the benefit of all territorians and to have that you know that new voice in media here that we think is important and they've just they've just shut that down they just do not want to engage in that and we said so what's the problem let's work through something no no they just won't they mm-hmm. won't budge at all it's very very strange um yeah so look i don't know i don't know what it takes you got a, a constitutional law expert saying that what they're doing is uh, constitutionally not appropriate you've got uh you know media journalists academics saying that they can't do that you've got the union saying they can't do that you've got you know peter grest's group um the alliance for journalist freedom saying that uh that they can't do what they're doing and yet they continue to do what they're doing so uh you know it gets a little frustrating but look i'm talking to those other groups and stuff i know that 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 some things are still happening, some pressures, you know, being applied lightly to, um, to try and get them just to work with us, just, you know, where we're happy yeah, to discuss yeah. what the issue, what the real issues are here and get, get on the same page here. But you can't, you just can't turn around and, and start banning media. Um, and then, you, you know, you just wonder what kind of precedent that sets. And, you know, like, like I've said, like, it, it's, it, it's us right now, the NT independent, but at what point does it become, another media outlet or journalists at another media outlet and interstate or something too. I mean, at what point could this even be relied on and said, Oh, you know, you remember what they did in the Northern territory. They just, you know, froze out a media outlet and and it worked for them or something. Uh, And they never had to answer any questions. So I think that that, that really came across there and on the national stage, that's what people should be concerned about. I think all us Australians should be concerned about that. This, you know, when I uh, talking to the people at the Alliance for Journalist Freedom, saying that, you know, they, and I know that they've been busy doing China stuff and, and working over there in the Asia Pacific region, all that. And they said, but look, you know, we, 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 we weren't aware that um, this was going on in our own backyard here, mm. in the Northern Territory of all places. That the, mm. This is Australia. This isn't some, you know, dictatorship country here. Um, so, yeah, so look, I think they're on board there. Um, they're pursuing some other avenues as well and and we'll see where we get uh but yeah this is still something that's not going away and i think that that abc story highlighted what the real fundamental issues at play here are and why it's important for everybody to understand what's going on here so Mm. you know we'll, we'll we'll keep we'll keep on them and in the meantime we keep reporting so they're not stopping us so the bottom line is damn you chris for asking so many goddamn questions Yeah, which I've been told that many times before. But yeah, yeah, and I, I'm not going to apologize for it either. Yeah. So it's, yeah, we'll keep well, going. On an upbeat scale, the uh, the NTs recorded a, a new COVID nineteen case this week. The uh, <laughs> acting chief health officers come out and said, however, it is a weak positive and highly unlikely to be infectious. Yeah, we don't know where where the good doctor is. Uh, <laughs> I didn't I want mean, to ask. I was a little worried. 
But yeah, like maybe he uh, he felt this in his bones, as we say early on. <laughs> and he's getting the hell out of here. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about you, Heggie, there. The chief health officer wasn't him. It was uh, Dr. Charles Payne, the head of uh, health services at uh, RDH, came out to explain. Um, a lot of people saying he did a really good job of explaining. Mm. Okay. Uh, it was very articulate and clear. Um, so apparently this was somebody who come in and had had been recovering from COVID uh, before uh, it had passed through their system. And then they got here, they got tested, and it was there. It was found there, but it was kind of, you know, there was a story tonight on, uh, I think it was ABC, about how it, it lingers for a while after you yep. get it and yep. after you recover it starts. So th- that's what it sounds like. <laughs> is that uh, is that this is what we had, and so they've they've treated it the same way they would as that as that full positive, but they're saying that the risk was of of spreading uh, in this particular case wasn't that high. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they'll take their um, the precautions, and then they're not also they're not marking it down on, the, on their list, right? I remember that they've, yep, they've been yep. patting themselves on the back of having COVID yep. officially eradicated here, so this one's not an account on their list uh so see that one coming <laughs> keep the stats yeah keep us flawless and, um yeah so uh something that you know when whenever you see that and files come out with a, at a press conference and saying that you know something's there i think a lot of people get a little nervous okay this is it and this is going to be the start of yep some sort of massive outbreak but look everything really is going well still um well, as far as we know, as far as they tell us, and this was um, was one of these cases that you know they treated them as a positive. It wasn't; it's a weak positive. Uh, it, 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 it wasn't going to have the impact uh, that we thought it might. So yeah. let's trust them. They've been they've been doing a really good job so far. I'm really you know can't say anything other than that that they they have done a good job and they continue to do a good job. So yeah, let's uh, let's hope that we don't get too many more cases of this. But at the same mm. time, you know, what, what, what's interesting with all this is that Gunner came out this week and said that there was something like 11,000. Um, no, sorry, 1,000 or 1,100? 1,100, 1,100 uh, people at the Howard Springs quarantine facility. Now, that number has always ranged between five or 600 since, like, July 17th when they uh, lifted some of the restrictions on the border. So the fact that it's almost doubled and he's saying, you know, we can handle this now and, and that, but I'm, I'm just wondering. It seems to be that the word is getting out there, and what we discussed weeks ago. But this is the place to come, yeah. kind of dry out, get tested, do your 14 day quarantine, and uh, and get moving. Um, so yeah, so I just does that increase the risk? Does that increase the risk for everybody? Of course it does. If you're mm-hmm. bringing in double what you were bringing in before, uh, and people that, that that are coming from hotspot areas, so. Um, We'll see, though. I mean, look at the no no catastrophes yet. So mm. just keep going and see what happens. And um, yeah. Well, on so, the subject of c- catastrophes, Chris, uh, government's double standards has Nunamar Radio Rodeo uh, owner questioning TIO stadium scrutiny. Mm-hmm. What's going on there? Well, this is one of those kind of unintended consequences. I think that that the government is responsible now here for when, um, uh, when they do things like just decide unilaterally and without any evidence or proof, uh, determine that, yeah, okay, they're not compliant with certain things, uh, in terms of the building code. Uh, 
but let's just say it's safe anyway and let everybody in. Of course, talking about the issue uh, before that Dreamtime game here on Election Day and how those, uh, you know, we broke the story that um, that the TIO Stadium was not compliant, didn't have an occupancy permit. There are some other outstanding issues there, uh, which they knew about from 2009 on when they couldn't get it, it, it retroactively certified. So for 11 years, they kind of screwed around and didn't address the problem. In 2018, they tried to do it. And again, they just decided nah, to throw that in the too hard bin. Um, and so then, uh, you know, before that, we start asking questions. They come out and they say they put out this big press release saying, Yes, yes, it's all true. We don't have an occupancy permit, but the building's safe. Well, why is it safe? Well, they're not saying. They just determined that it's safe. So, you know, and at that time, we're, we, we heard from a lot of people saying, oh, this is, this is a precedent-setting kind of thing here. I mean, is this going to be something that, that if somebody takes it to court, if, 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 say, a private developer is found to be non-compliant, and they take it to court. Is that can that be the argument? Well, look, look what happened here. The government acted like this. They've, you know, determined that things are safe and they don't know how, and they haven't followed the, the proper protocol to get there and allowed, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people into a into an event which could be a dangerous setting. Um Yeah, now here here we've seen uh this issue with uh with the rodeo out there. Nunama, I mean, this guy's kicked in, what, something like 50,000? 50 grand. Yeah, 50,000, he's saying, in upgrades. Now, where it gets interesting, too, there, I think, with him is that one of the issues that he had uh, were these stairs. Yes. And that have no backs to them. Like, you know what I mean? You can kind of put your foot through the stairs as you're going up. Yep. So, of course, TIO Stadium has that. And, you know, whether or not that, I'm not familiar with exactly if that was on the list of the thing. I mean, they had some pretty serious non-compliance issues there. But um, where this was an issue very much so was at the grandstand, uh, the new $12 million turf club grandstand where the exact same stairs are there. And <laughs> oh they don't God. have the backs to them. And yeah. they were called out for that in a, in a complaint by a whistleblower. And I don't think, that they've done anything on that yet. I mean, they still have those the same, but here this guy is, you know, he's the private, yep. private kind of businessman trying to get uh, things going and they're, they're on his back about, about everything. And, you know, so he, so he does, so he starts fixing it up. He wants to keep it compliant. He's putting this money in and then he turns around and he sees that the government's not doing that themselves um, and the issues of TIO. And then even, you know, when it kind of goes to a, to a semi-public operation, like, the turf club that's relying on government funds and that, well, for that grandstand paid ultimately for taxpayers did and that, and that they don't seem to be on them as much to Mm -hmm. make sure that everything's compliant. And, you know, I I get the guy's frustration. I really do. And him saying that, you know, this is why businesses have turned their nose up at working in the NT because of these, this kind of red tape and it's a double standard, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it is. Yeah. And, you know the government won't won't comment on it, of course. Yeah. That's their thing; they can hide from well, us. Not, not to you, anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but who else is asking them? Right? I mean, this is how they set it up. This way. <laughs> that's so, right. That's um, right. So yeah, you know, we we still want answers, but you know, like you guys know that there there's going to be a lot more on this and the other issue coming out, and mm. uh, we're not too far from some new information. There's some new reports that have been done, and 
things like that. Uh, so we're going to be talking about this issue. This issue hasn't gone away in terms of non-compliant building and government mm-hmm. kind of seemingly to to overlook these kind of things for people. And like I said, I mean, the people that I've talked to when I was doing these stories in the industry, you know, the consensus is that it, it's by a stroke of luck that we haven't had any major yep. catastrophe here yet where buildings collapsed or something yep. because the, the, the standards just aren't being followed in. Mm. Yeah, and then to turn around and to, to start going after the little guys here. Uh, and of course, you know, like everybody's got to be compliant. This guy wasn't compliant. He's admitted that. But he's saying like, you know, just be fair with everybody here. Make sure yeah, everybody's yeah. compliant. And that's that's not too much to ask, I don't think. Yeah. But um, this government, I, <laughs> this public <laughs> service, the way they've handled this, it's uh, just, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, guys, in the next mm. few weeks here. I think we're going to have a good, really good chat about it about the real nature of what's gone on here in this time and how they just kind of let things go when it, when it mm. suits them and then go after people when it suits them. We'll, yeah. Uh, and we'll stand where, where's by. the public safety? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Chris City U's proposed job cuts to, to the tune of 77 jobs and, and 19 courses. Yeah. Look, that's, um, kind of knew that this was coming at some point of course late last year they had raised the issue um of cuts on the horizon and kind of put it off uh for a while um as they kind of reorganized things as they said or however they described it uh but here we are now at this uh at this point where these cuts are coming i think everyone thought it would be somewhere around 50 it looks like now it'll be you know they're proposing 77 at this point and cuts to 19 courses um where that uh ends up i guess we don't really know but the 77 that they were saying that that's about five percent of uh of all their mm. employees who could lose here so um yeah, but look, it's, it's been, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. And we were saying that, you know, because of course the vice chancellor there, Simon Maddox, has announced that he's leaving. Uh, and then these uh, kind of cuts are made, and is he the one who's doing that on the way out, and mm. you know, making maybe a tough decision that he has to make because of how poorly run financially it was. And you know, you look for the past few years, I and mean, they really got into some financial trouble. Um, uh, they're trying to find ways to save money and I guess to make these cuts, but a lot of people are upset. I mean, you're, you're looking at things like uh, the air conditioning, servicing, um, VET stuff, uh, hairdressing. Uh, there's, there's a lot that are suited here for the, for the territory that mm. you got to think. And then they're saying, well, there's not a lot of people interested in them. And some of them you're like, well, I don't know about that. Like that, that seems like that is something that would be, that would be in demand here in terms of programming. So, but they're saying it's not, they're saying, look, we have to make some cuts somewhere. Um, and, but what was interesting back to Maddox there was that we thought, okay, well, here's a guy, he's on his way out. He's going to have to stand up and make tough decisions. No, no. Why would we expect that here in the territory? <laughs> Somebody to own up and be accountable. No, he weaseled his way out of it and they put it on to, uh, to, to another professor to come out and explain these cuts. And he wanted no part of, of being quoted in that. Uh, <laughs> that story um yeah so i mean i don't know i mean what do you guys think it, it's that's you don't like seeing that a big employer here but uh you know it's they haven't they haven't really managed it have they? well i'm just wondering with all these uh, jo- uh course cuts i noticed even hairdressing is going as well 
Yeah, that's does what I'm saying. Mean, yeah, that and yeah. the air conditioning thing. Or, yeah. yeah. Does that mean that? Uh, does that mean that in a few years' time we're going to have to ramp up our uh, immigration program again to bring people in from other countries because we just simply don't have people to do these jobs? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that doesn't seem to be much thought given to that. But look, I'll tell you, if 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 they do do that, um, well, you know, Leon. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, right? Because they're going to have a new campus for. Exactly. <laughs> people to come in. And I think that that's where everyone starts thinking, well, wait a second. So we're in such a, a bad financial position here, CDU is, uh, that you're laying off 5% of your workforce um, because you're saying you don't have the money. And here you are building this new uncosted. I mean, really, it's uncosted. We don't know what it is. Everybody's got a different figure. It's somewhere 300 and some million to 450, 425 million, whatever it is, it's, it's astronomical. Um, and you got to ask, like, why, why in the middle of financial problems would you take on a project like this? Would you, mm. you know, you might want to get things stable. And, and, you know, and if they're attracting more international students, which they claim they have in the last couple of years, <laughs> well, get that plan settled, get it, get it straight, get all these numbers so you know, so you're stable, so you're moving forward, you actually have the projections, you know what you're doing, but no, in this, in the middle of laying people off, let's, uh, let's build a whole great new home here. Uh, I don't get that. And I, I, like, again, like, you know, this is, I don't know how the federal government is doing that, and that's something that still sticks in my head. I mean, yeah, Keith Pitt on the other day, they were talking about, oh, and we love the CDU program, and the, there's a school and we're, we're kicking in 91 million through this fund and 150 something through this other fund to get this new camp. Like why, why are they doing that? I mean, other than tokenism, I guess to say, look, we're doing something in the territory. Where's the business case for that? We still don't, we still haven't seen this business case. I mean, the federal government hasn't provided it. They, they defend it. And I just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why the feds are so on board except to say that, yeah, we're doing something here. It is. But it, mm. it, the argument still hasn't been made. And when you're laying people off like this, I think that makes that argument even more difficult to make and to mm. justify. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they'll just keep their hands out with that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> just make the business case. It was. It's like the 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 NT government going ahead and building that underground car park and going ahead with the state square development, not having the business case done. Like it just, that seems to be the afterthought. Does it make sense financially? And can we justify it? Well, let's just start doing it first and then we'll figure all that stuff out later. <laughs> Man, but even if the feds are doing it now, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what hope the rest of us have here. Well, talking about building it and hoping people will come, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the attack on staff and vandalism that leads, uh, leads uh, to Water's pool being surrendered by the council. What on earth is happening there? Yeah, so that's a little, um, a little complicated, actually, because, well, I don't know if they're taking the anti-government's tact and not responding, but uh, I don't think that they're following any orders. I think they just, they don't like the scrutiny. Uh, and, of course, this is the West Daly Regional Council. So the issue, as we understand it, is that uh, the swimming pool in Wadera has been offered to the Catholic school to run. 
because they've had issues. They've had these attacks on staff, um, place being vandalized. Uh, so they're trying to, you know, we don't want to do this anymore. We don't want to run this anymore. It's got to be, you know, a pretty big part of the community there. Uh, so you'd think that they'd want to keep this going and, and do something. So, uh, yeah, trying to get the school to come on board and take over it. Uh, but so I guess the, the issue here though, if the school, so they're trying to find somebody to get rid of, but the school doesn't take it over. Um, there's going to have to be what they call a surrender sum to the Northern land council, which would be, uh, I guess equal to the amount of rent left in the lease. So they, you know, they could be paying for years, I think six years worth of fees and just shut this whole thing down and the whole thing, you know, gets filled in or, or, or what may happen with it, but it's it's certainly an issue out there, and it's something that doesn't seem to be managed being managed properly. And we've sent them questions; uh, they didn't respond to us. The councils, even the NLC, I mean, okay, was tell us what's going on out there. Uh, they didn't want to talk to us either about it. Um, some of the other people though have, and we know that. I guess it's it's you know it'll come up. It'll come up here at the next council meeting. There's, but yeah. Anyway, it's just a, a difficult situation out there in water. And you think that, given how important something like that facility would be in a mm. small community, that that maybe some people come together and start doing something. But right now, uh, yeah, it it, it 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 doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere, and it could end up costing some money. So I, I want to read this part of your article out. To, to the listeners. The pool was also closed multiple times last year due to vandalism, including to the pool office, plant room, and chemical storage with damage done to essential equipment. Recently installed pool grates and new lawnmowers were thrown into the pool. The 2019 uh, council meeting minutes said, the next day, the dirt around the pool was dug up and thrown in and toilets were smashed and vandalised. What the hell is going on out there? I think people are entitled to know. You know, I mean, what is going on out there? You know, we constantly have these conversations about, um, about Indigenous communities and, look, I'm, I, I hope that there are some well-run ones out there and I'm, we're told that there are. Yeah. But you know, I, I've never been to water. Uh, we had Principal uh, Craig Glass on the podcast a little while ago, and he certainly has been out there. And, and his view was that there was not a lot happening. Yeah, it, yeah. it's just you know, uh, Chris. It's I think simmering beneath the surface of many thinking territorians is the fact that we are putting money into some of these communities, uh, we're not necessarily expecting a return, but we're certainly not expecting to have to go there and fix up pools that have been vandalised because people have thrown brand new lawnmowers in there. I mean, what the, you know? I, this particular community is notorious though, isn't it? It's, it's had a long history of trouble. Um, anybody I've ever known who's been there and spent time there has described, uh, you know, local shops having to have full 
ceiling to floor shutters to stop the the vandalism and the break-ins and everything that that occur i've heard of people literally having to be shut into their properties at night um so you know i don't know if it's a policing issue or, or what it is but this particular community is is just been known for these troubles for years and years mm, yeah and uh you know territory experts picking up the tab here for all mm. this stuff and um it, and it doesn't yeah. help chris that when you start when you're asking these questions and and who's the mayor of this town by the way what's his name uh was it john john wilson oh he's a de- yeah, wilson deputy deputy mayor uh, mayor John Wilson, yeah. Oh, yeah, mayor, right, okay. Yeah. And the deputy mayor is Terry Sams. I mean, these people, you know, have an obligation to tell us what's going on. Yeah. You know, money yeah. is going into these communities. It's public money. Yeah. Uh, and and what's, the, what's happening with the NL, NLC? Why are they not returning your calls either? Well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, look, yeah, we uh, our reporter went to them, um, asked what they're doing. <laughs> they 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 seem to be they've been doing this for a while now. The NLC, like you know, even while, while the COVID thing was going on, where we we're in the height of that, and you had issues where, <laughs> um, you know, the, the the you know, I think it was people coming into the remote communities and stuff. We went to them and said, like, what what's going on? What's coming? And they just did not want to comment. I mean, they are just running this, they're, they're playing politics with everything, yeah. with everything. If it's not in their interest, they're not responding, and they just don't give mm. a shit. If it's, if it's nothing that they can spin, then something, they're just not going to talk about it. So we went there said, you know, you guys, I mean, would they be charging them? I mean, they, they play a role in all of this, and they're just, no. And, and look, it's not like the NLC's not talking to us either because we've got our government or anything. They just do this with everybody. They just don't get back to people. It is. <laughs> well, then they, you know what? Then game. they're simply not entitled to call us or brand us racist or, or any other uh, negative connotation because we are drawing conclusions based on the information that you're providing us and you're giving them an opportunity to correct the record, to provide us with more information so that we can make informed, uh, you know, we can have an informed opinion. But, you know, what we've read there, some of the photos, my God. You know, yeah. do you see mm. stuff happening at the Nightcliff Pool or the Casuarina Pool or the Palmerston Pool? I, I don't know of any stories like that. It's just yeah, disgraceful no, and, stuff, yeah. it's, and it's swept under the carpet and we're not allowed to talk about it because, you know, we're not allowed to say anything bad about how uh, Indigenous communities are run. Well, I just call bullshit on this stuff, you know. Quite frankly, I'm starting to get really fed up. And, uh, you know, if that puts me in the minority, if that makes me a, a redneck, well, I, you know, I, I'm struggling with it to tell you the truth. And I found it hard too talking to Malcolm Turnbull about this because... His view was, well, you know, we've told Indigenous people um, for 200 years how to live their lives. We're not going to continue to do that. Okay, fine. Uh, we had some very, uh, you know, in fact, we're going to release this podcast shortly. We talked to some young fellows yesterday, they're very bright guys, and we talked to them about how do you deal with some of the in- Indigenous uh, disadvantage. And they said, well, you've got to sit down and talk to the Indigenous people about what they want and work with them yeah. and not work, uh, you know, and not tell them, okay, well, I'm all on board for all of this, but this 
How do you reconcile that with what's going on here at Whatever? Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's just, yeah, it's in our water pool. Is it just, you know, I did, yeah, it's, it's about respecting, I guess, the stuff they have in the community, taking ownership and pride of things. And, yeah, look, that that's the thing. There's no easy answer to any of that. Mate, I'm telling there, you, there are plenty of people in Darwin, yeah. and I meet them, and I met one today, actually, that are decent, law-abiding people that just beneath the surface because they won't tell you. They'd be like Trump supporters in a way, you know? Uh, mm. you, 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 you just... <laughs> Fed up of this crap, just fed up of the way, um, you know, this disrespect of, 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 of uh, uh, you know, facilities and things like that. And one fine day, it's going to come out. And I think that sort of simmering tension is happening in Alice Springs. And I don't mm. want to see that happen. But until people sort of stand up and call things out for what they are and make people accountable, as you keep talking about, Chris, making government accountable, well, in this case, making Indigenous communities accountable for what's going on in those communities, we're going to continue having this escalating um, tension, I'd have to say. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And mm. meanwhile, yeah, throwing money at things and hoping that, that fixes it when... Clearly it's not, so. And it never has, Chris. This has been my bugbear, is that, mm. uh, you know, government after government after government have come up with this great idea. Let's increase budget. Let's just increase the budget and we'll throw more money at it. But this sort of stuff with, you know, throwing lawnmowers in pools and destroying the pool rooms and getting into the chemicals and that, that's just, that's just willful damage you know we used to call it vandalism when i was growing up and yeah, it came with too. came with hefty consequences a from people's parents when they found out and if not b the law because mm -hmm. it's it's illegal it's public <laughs> space it's for everyone so yeah people need to uh, i don't know i don't know how you control it but someone needs to get on top of it that's for sure yeah Anyway. Yeah, absolutely, and let's we'll 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 keep following. We're doing some other stuff out there, and I think that it's mm -hmm. important that we kind of start shining a light in here because no one else is reporting on these kind of regional councils and our minutes and, and what's going on. So we've we've got a lot more stories coming out too, yeah, uh, along that thing. But I think that that stuff, like that story, was really extremely well read, and I think Derek Garns want to know, that. and I think that maybe even people in these communities are reading it and thinking, yeah, you know, like we we've got to do something. I don't know. But I, but I think that getting that, that spotlight on what these issues are can only be good for everybody involved. So yeah, correct. On a, uh, turning to a brighter note, um, for all those boat owners that, uh, have, uh, got themselves caught on the low tide. I've seen it happen many times. Uh, they'll be rejoicing this week as, uh, it uh, looks like the alcohol restrictions at East point, uh, are going to be rejected, which is good news. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, council the other day tossing that idea out. Uh, I think quite overwhelmingly. Um, <laughs> now, of course, this was so the police. The police were the ones who kind of brought this up, and they they write a letter to council and they say, "Okay, we think that uh, there's an escalation of antisocial behavior, and we know what that means. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. antisocial behavior. I mean, Darwin's the first place that I heard of this term." And, I think we all know what it means when they say that, that they're blaming, you know, indigenous 
for some drinking issues there and some fights and assaults and stuff that were going on. So anyway, they say, look, look, we've got an escalation of issues out there. Can you look at changing the bylaws so that at this point you can't drink after 7 p.m.? And it used to be, I think, on the weekdays, 9.39 and weekends, 10 or something. Um, so they, the police said, no, we want to change. Now, the, the, the issue when we spoke with the mayor was, well, have, have the police explained how that's going to work? Are they, do they want the change so that they can go in and enforce that? Or like yeah. really, and that, that was something they didn't, they didn't answer. They just said, no, nothing good happens when you're drinking there after dark. Uh, and they determined seven was, was a cutoff time was dark mm-hmm. enough at some point. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Khan was, uh, quite vocal. Uh, Merrick on is quite vocal about how he was opposed to that. No, you know, it's not fair for everybody else. He said, there's a lot of people who enjoy going down there for a barbecue with their family and, yep. um, having some drinks and no, we're not going to do that. And the police need to explain exactly what they mean here. So, so they kind of didn't, I guess <laughs> the police didn't explain to anybody's great satisfaction. Um, why it was necessary, why it was crucial. So council rejected it. Uh, yeah. And I think a lot of people, I think uh, would say that that's a win for common sense here. And that, uh, <laughs> you know, if there are issues there, well, start, you know, targeting it. Why can't the police come in? I mean, if you're going to be intoxicated, I'm pretty sure that there's yeah, not a rule that says, that anyway. yeah, that you can be yeah. drunk out of your mind and get in fights with people. And that's, you know, yeah, correct. there's nothing that says you can do that. So that, that could be yeah. the reason to get rid of them. Um, mm. but it really was, it really was an issue that, uh, had a lot of people fired up. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. I, I, I immediately thought of those boat owners. We've all seen them. There's a nice barbecue happening about three, four o'clock in the afternoon. Some guy brings his boat up onto the beach and then the tide goes out. And I often drive by thinking, he's going to be there till midnight. If he can't sit there and have a couple of bevies while he's waiting for the tide to come up, it's going to be a long wait. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um I just like, you know, one of the things, so Con, I think Con was on the radio the other day and he, he started, he started like making a lot of good sense here. And he was saying the issue that we have here, um, isn't that, you know, people going down there for drinks. That's a problem. He starts saying, you know, really what the problem stemmed from is the secondary supply of alcohol there. And he's saying that, uh, that they're getting the alcohol some, somehow. People, you know, fall asleep there. Uh, that's not a problem. But when, you know, you start abusing each other and punching, um, hmm. that's what's going on. Uh, he said, now, and, and this is where this gets really, where he starts to <laughs> make sense. And he says, you know, uh, he said, similar measures taken by council over the years have proven to be ineffective. And, and, and he said that from examples we have before, we put all sorts of bylaws and restrictions in place and they don't work. The reason they don't seem to work is because somebody's supplying alcohol to these people. If they don't have the supply of alcohol, they disappear. So he says, I'm not going to slap a bylaw in place. Uh, he said, that's my personal opinion because the police said so. There's too many questions to be answered. And of course, those questions weren't answered. Yep. But yeah, how about that? The mayor saying, I don't work for the police. I'm not going <laughs> to put this in. And really, let's start focusing on how they're getting the grog here and how they get into these yeah. situations. And instead of putting bylaws that are going to affect everybody. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it is 
that that spot is a beautiful spot and uh mm. yeah i've had drinks out there too and it would be terrible to get rid of that kind of thing it would so yeah brighter note for territory businesses potentially feds to make it easier to access funding through the north australia infrastructure facility yeah no they that's your favorite group (laughs) you were were just saying this a few weeks ago about how they should be paying off taxes for people (laughs) (laughs) exactly everybody should be able to dip in there but i mean look yeah you've got an issue with this fund in that you know it's five billion dollars i mean they're saying that they've spent something like 2.2 or they've committed that much but really the only thing that's got off the ground is maybe a couple hundred uh, mills so it's uh yeah um it's one of those things that like i'd said i know we were kind of at odds there about that i wasn't I think in the lead up to the election, Terry Milson suggested that, um, do you guys remember him? He was a yeah. politician. <laughs> he started a party called yeah, Territory Alliance. Yeah. Anyway, so. Terry's <laughs> Alliance. Yeah. So <laughs> that guy, um, you know, threw out that idea there about uh, lifting payroll tax and that the money would be paid for by NAIF, the, the money that the NT would forego in that. So, and I, at the time, I think, well, Leon, you didn't like that idea. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought, like, look, I don't know if that's the right idea for that, but, like, really? These, this NAFE thing? you got a pot of money sitting there. We know that it's taken too long to get out the door. Um, what kind of things can they do? I mean, they really need to start doing something. So here's what the government's come up with now. And uh, they said to kind of, you know, ramp up the economy here post-coronavirus. They're looking at ways to, to, to lend the money faster and expand eligibility criteria so that more projects can access the fund. They say that it'll increase the government's risk appetite. That's what they want. They want to see smaller scale projects funded. And of course, and that's one to five million dollar range, but also money used for other issues. I think it was to, to fund some training stuff and expansions for private companies. So they're really kind of diversifying what this uh, money can be spent on. Um, and they've got this pile of money, so yeah, let's get this going. I think overall, that's going to be uh, welcomed by the business community here. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you start reading it, and you know, this guy, so Keith Pitt was on uh, with Katie Wolf on Mix One Hundred Four the other day, and he said uh, he he, and this just kind of went unchallenged, which again is just too bad because he said. You know, we're changing the legislation to allow the Commonwealth government to make a decision uh, in particular circumstances to fund directly. So he's saying that a lot of the holdup have been, and he, I think he said something like 261 days was the average, I think, it, mm-hmm. something like that, to get, the, you know, from when they identify that this yep. is a project they want to do to when they can start getting some money out. And he said, uh, he said, look, we're, we're going to now fund directly, and that would mean cutting the, the state or territory governments out of uh out of the process that they'll just hand select what projects and he said particularly where projects where politics gets in the way and he said you know that that happens well i would love to know yeah come on minister where was it who was being political who's playing politics with this yeah, because yeah. you know i can't imagine the territory government was they, they'd want to be <laughs> bringing up you know getting in anything they can i mean they've i mean you had madison on there too i think saying um 
you know, we've, we've got all the, I mean, how long has she been saying this? We've got all this stuff. It's right there. It's ready to go. And uh, we're just waiting on funding. It's not that we're holding it up. It's funding. Yeah. And you got to wonder though, like and I said before, I mean, look, you look at one of their major projects here, which is the uh, listed as a major project, the anti-government, that's the sea farm stuff, the sea dragon project, sea dragon thing. Now that thing, when you're looking at the financials on that, that thing does not make sense. That, that was not making money before. That's not a good business. But I mean, they're borrowing money all over the place if they can even get it. Now, I don't think they get it anymore. So NAFE looks at that and NAFE's taken a long time with that. And that's frustrated the territory government because they want to say this is a major project. It's going to bring jobs. But I think if anyone was doing their due diligence on that, they wouldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't provide that project yep. with money and we'll see where that goes here soon but and so the thing that makes me uncomfortable about this is just saying that though that the you know the commonwealth government will now determine and fund directly these projects without having anyone else involved in that they'll handpick them and get the money i mean that does open it up to a situation that we had here with an infrastructure development fund and anti-beverages and money just given to this <laughs> I company was that, about that yeah that like <laughs> and 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 you know labor's uh, north australia critic murray watt said that too he said that um it does have the potential uh how did he put it he said uh, any changes should be aimed at facilitating real job producing projects not just pave the way for more warts from national party controlled funds and that was my concern is, I mean, who's overseeing this? If you get into this case where uh, you, you're funding, the, 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 let's say, the minister, let's say that Keith Pittman has the ability to use this fund, which then it becomes a slush fund. Then he's, he's funding whatever he thinks is good. Yeah. And so some of his buddies line up, and I'm not suggesting that that would happen, but it could. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, and then we've got the sports works thing all over again. We've got these people getting this money through this giant, pile of money that hasn't been used for anything before so i think that that there needs to be some scrutiny there and some accountability and of course the only way that they can bring forward these changes is to pass legislation so it is it is mm. going to come up in the senate and the house reps so yeah i just yeah just had a bit of a flashback there to empty beverages oh god <laughs> what, yeah where could this money possibly go wrong here with billions another pot of billions of dollars but of course you know we do want to see those projects and i i think overall it's a good idea because you've got yeah like they said to get these smaller scale projects to win that wouldn't uh qualify for it before between the one million to five million dollar range i think that's good i think that some of these smaller things should have been looked at long yeah. before now so yeah. yeah let's see what we can do great. here with that great yeah and Chris, finally, Darwin Alderman Gary Hasler slammed a proposal to drop the council prayer, describing it as cultural vandalism. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, the other night, so Roxanne Fitzgerald, our reporter, um, was down at the council meeting the other night, and she had said, like, hey, this kind of came up out of nowhere. Nobody was expecting this. Uh, Robin Knox, uh, the alderman, had, had, had raised it and said, look, let's find a more inclusive blessing, I think was how she put it. <laughs> uh, that this, you know, the Lord's Prayer going on there for years, unchallenged, and that, that maybe there is something more inclusive for everybody. Yeah, that kind of seemed to set uh, Gary Hazlitt off, who uh, <laughs> said, no, this is my culture, this is my heritage. 
this is 80% of the world is behind me on this. I think he wow. said something like that. I'm not sure he's got his figures correct there. Did he research that before making it? <laughs> yeah. Back check that one. <laughs> yeah. 80%. 80%. Wow. Yeah, or have the same background as him. He said, in the world, too. It was wow, a big search in the world. Um, yeah, so they're all so, and plus he's got the big guy on the side, too. So that doesn't hurt either. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, I, just, I just need to say the alleged big guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right. So, yeah, it was, um, it was like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I know that in Australia, um, that's one of the things that I found when I came over here was, wow, really how majority of people have kind of gotten away from church and from religious kind of teachings and stuff that it's quite secular here and even more so, I think, than in Canada. And uh, But, of course, these kind of traditions kind of hang over from mm. years gone by. And a lot of people, you know, also raising the issue that uh, – that, that, um, well, look, there was one that, there's, as Darwin's become kind of more multicultural, uh, Alderman Knox was saying that there's, you know, well over 70 ethnic groups here, and then you need the, to, to bring in something that acknowledges everybody else, that it's not just about, uh, uh, you know, the, the Christian faith. Um, yeah, so where it gets interesting, though, I think, is that, the, the, so it was, it was shot down, um, they're going to keep it. They're going to keep the Lord's Prayer, and, and nobody really had the appetite to do that. I think it was uh, Knox and another alderman who were in favor, and everybody else was opposed or in favor of keeping it. What you know, some of them said though is is worth thinking about. Uh, Mick Palmer, uh, he said that the, the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> he he is, remembered when it was just released. <laughs> He said it's a it's a universal a universal reminder to do our duty to do our best uh, important part of our heritage and democratic tradition. Right, and so that would have been a, uh, during the time when he, he Mick Palmer used to be an MLA and yeah, and legend, legend has it uh, I think it was for Kar the seat of Karama if I'm not mistaken if I am apologies for that but legend has it yeah. that, that that his. Uh, his uh, election campaign used to be uh, walking down the street with a carton of uh, of VB and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and having various conversations with the constituents. So he was doing his best there for sure. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, so he wants he 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 voted in favor to keep it because general good governance of people of the city of Darwin and various councils around Australia and various state and federal governments in part are connected to this that this is all about us trans traditions and values are connected to the lord's prayer i i, I don't i i don't know where he's going there with that wow. um justine glover the other alderman had said that, that when she came in she was told look this is a way of us coming together and saying the prayer and acknowledging we are moving from our daily lives to concentrate on our community's business and you know the, the idea here was maybe they need a song you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe a song yeah, so they father. can focus. But, but why saying a prayer does that take you away, bring you? I, I, I don't. Some of these arguments I just don't get. I mean, if you're going to keep it, keep it. But some of these arguments don't make sense. And of course, I guess what I was getting at earlier is that idea of separating the, the church and the state that uh, yeah. the strands seem to be pretty big on. Uh, but here's this. I was trying to find out, guys, that I, because I, I was reading some old 
parliamentary stuff for something. And I'm pretty sure that it came up in parliament uh, because, of course, the, the speaker reads the Lord's Prayer every day on the opening of parliament as mm-hmm. well. But it was something that somebody had brought up at one point and said, should we change this? And it was quickly shot down again, as I recall. And, uh, and uh, yeah, there's not any real appetite to change that. But mm-hmm. it remains... Yeah, I just, I just, yeah, I just find it a. Well, I gotta, just find uh, it I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to check something here, Chris. Yeah. Uh, that picture that you've got of Gary Hazlitt, <laughs> I, I, I would wager money that that wasn't Gary Hazlitt. <laughs> oh no, that's him. Is it? Yeah. Look, Has I, he gone I through wish. some massive change? <laughs> well, look. God, that does not. I, I've known Gary Hazlitt for years. You know. Uh, that doesn't look like Gaza. I'm not sure this is the forum to be discussing. Did you pull up the photo of him in his uh, convertible? <laughs> his convertible? No, I haven't seen that one. No, uh, well, that's yeah. that's the best one, but we don't own the rights to that one. <laughs> we would have gladly ran that one. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. He's the Jehovah's Witness, though. Much I do know, which is probably the reason behind the. The uh, uh, the opposition to the Lord's Prayer. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, he, he had said too, uh, he didn't say this in the council meeting and all this stuff from council, but today he was saying that he wanted to pass a motion that would forbid anyone from ever even bringing this up again. Oh, oh wow. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like wow. saying something. That sounds very democratic part. of him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true, though. So I don't know. I guess yeah. you know, he's drunk <laughs> off the victory. Or, uh, yeah, let's shut anybody, any dissenting voice down ever again. Anyone who disagrees can shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the Lord said, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Do one to do that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well done, Gary. Yeah. Well done. I was going to say Gary. Well done, Chris. <laughs> that's a really good story. Um, I, you know, uh, I think uh, we'll, we'll park that for the time being. Another uh, great week of uh, stories, Chris, so well done. And uh, we do hope very, very much that the anti-government comes to their senses and starts to uh, you know, engage with you guys in a meaningful way uh, for the benefit of all territories out there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, I hope so too. But, uh, you know, in the meantime... Um, We've got some really good stuff coming out, and uh, yeah, it doesn't in the end doesn't affect how how we're reporting, and it doesn't affect how we report about them either. You know, we've still given them the opportunity to respond, yeah. and we'll continue to do that every single day. So, yeah. and uh, like we had said, and like everybody had said, they've gone, they've read our stuff. We've been around now for pretty close to six months. Um, tell us what we're doing wrong here. <laughs> Show us mm. because uh, you know, file a complaint if you like. Um, but everybody's had a look at it and said, no, this is adhering to some pretty strict journalism standards and, uh, uh, there's no real way to, um, to kind of tear us down over that. So let's just, Mm. let's just get on with it here and we're going to keep reporting the same way that we always have. And we'll keep exposing things here and we'll keep holding the government accountable whether they want to or not. So they want to be held accountable or not. And that's our commitment. Let's look at the bright side too, Chris. Um, at least you get to keep your stories uh, within the slots that you've got allocated because you just you can say and the government declined to comment. 
<laughs> That's right. Keeps it a lot more succinct for people than over That's the top it. spin. You don't run over yeah. your five hundred words. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, and they're not. Yeah, and it's not bogged down with just how do we spin this and all the <laughs> gibberish that they would normally yeah. give us, which yeah. we were really thankful to be avoiding at this point. But you know, we do want to work with them in, in the good, good faith and, and and for the benefit of territory. And so, yeah, of course, we can do that. Thanks, well, guys. Thanks, Chris. That was Chris Walsh from the NT Independent Online Newspaper. Weekends with Bolshe back again next week on the weekend edition of the Territory Story podcast. We'll catch you then. You've been listening to the Territory Story podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. For more episodes, search Territory Story podcast on all leading podcasting platforms, the Territory Story podcast. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.